This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Do you know what you have just done? You have just stumbled upon another episode of Speakernomics, the podcast about becoming a better speaker and building a better business. I'm your host, Tom Singer, and today we are going to talk about speaker websites. And to kick off this interview, we have Kristen Pearson. Hey, Kristen, welcome to the show. Hey, Tom. Good to be here. So, Kristen, what are two tips you have so that speakers can have websites that work for them? That there's no better place to let your audience know, like, and trust you than your website, and that your website's strategy and design need to work together. Oh my gosh, we are going to have so much fun unpacking all of this because I, like so many speakers, always think my website is one step behind where it needs to be, so I can't wait to hear everything that you're going to share with us today. And for those of you who don't know Kristen Pearson, she makes websites that make speakers look good and book more business. She is totally focused on helping speakers in the world of their website. She also is a diehard sports fan and she shared everything Chicago, which means (laughs) Bears, Bulls, Cubs, and Blackhawks. But she did tell me she doesn't really care about the Bulls. So if you're a basketball <laughs> fan, sorry, but she's all about the Blackhawks, the Cubs, and the Bears. So Kristen, welcome to Speakernomics. Thank you. Thanks for that intro. I know a lot of people that will be proud of that. <laughs> <laughs> so your background was working for an association, and you actually hired speakers and didn't hire speakers. So when you <laughs> moved over into the world of website design, why did you decide to focus on the speaking industry? Yeah. So I used to work for an organization. We would need like six or seven speakers a year and I had trouble finding some. And so I found that there was a need in the marketplace for someone to make speakers look good. I mean, speakers have been some of the best people I've met in my professional career. And so I want to do everything I can to help them. So what were some of the things that you saw when you were hiring speakers where you thought this website sucks? (laughs) Well, it definitely, if I found a lot of websites look older than the internet itself. And so unfortunately I ran across a couple that looked more like obituaries than business websites. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So you made this transition how long ago into website design? I have been doing websites for about 10 years, starting with a degree, but I went full-time earlier this year in June, so four or five months ago. Awesome. All right. So 
in that 10 years, and especially in the last four or five months, you have probably seen a lot of things. So if we were to go look at my website, it's okay. I'm always looking at mine versus other people's. But, you know, listening to your tip about making sure that the website has both design and strategy that work together. Yeah, I don't know that I have strategy or design when it comes to my website. And looking at your first tip of it's the best place for people to get to know, like, and trust you. I don't think I've thought of my website that way. So let's start with that first tip. What do you mean when you say, hey, your website, there's no better place for them to get to know, like, and trust you? Yeah. And to start, websites are the best place to have your business, right? We know that any social media could shut down or lose popularity at any time. And you don't own that content. You know, if Instagram went away tomorrow, you would lose all your pictures and all of your captions and all of your messages. And so a website is just the best place to bring that all together, to send people, you know, it's yours, you control what it looks like. And that's just why I wholeheartedly believe in the websites. And for the no, like, and trust thing, you know, let's, let's start with no, a person needs to come to your website and know exactly what you do, you know, who you talk to, what you look like. They need to know who they're even looking into. And then also how can you benefit them? And so a whole thing, and this kind of goes into the second tip, but throughout this entire thing, make sure you're looking at your website from the eyes of a meeting planner or the person that's going to, you know, sign the proposal. That's the biggest thing. I found a lot of people focus a lot on the no part of the no like, and trust that their websites just look like their LinkedIn profile, or, you know, they just put, I loved, I love iced coffee. I live in a farmhouse and I love my dog. And that's not helping your business go any further when it comes to your speaking. So when I think of the no factor, it's, you know, what are you offering? What is someone looking at your website? What are they going to know about you right away? Right. When they get there. And then for the like, it's kind of your story. So, you know, for example, my story is I got a degree. I then started getting other skills in college, like leadership and sales and marketing. I got a job with all of those aspects. And then I worked there for seven and a half years. And all of a sudden I was like, I want something new. Why don't I use all of my skills to help someone forward their business and why not do speakers? And so with that like thing, keeping that in mind, I've roped it all back into why I'm helping speakers and someone reading the website needs to know why are they on your website? And so that's why we have the no, the like, and the trust is ultimately showing that you're good at what you do. All right. So I want to unpack this. The the no, yeah. I think I understand. If somebody comes to my website, they want to see my topic. Uh, they, they want to see maybe a video of sort of my style on the stage. So I sort of get mm-hmm. like that your website is there to let people get like that basic of who you are. But but how does the website get them to like me? Let's let's dive into like what are we doing with a website so that people say, I like Tom. Well, the big thing, the first thing, and it's the easiest one is a nice picture of you. You know, we're all personable people, especially now, because everyone's just sitting at their home offices or whatever, but we want to see other faces. We want to connect with someone. So a bright smiling picture that's really crystal clear. That's why someone's going to start liking you and seeing, you know, going through their website. If you're answering their questions that they have already in their head, they're like, Oh, this person's super helpful. And it kind of ropes into those benefits that you're bringing in. And maybe you crack a couple jokes throughout your website, or it looks, you know, really good compared to their companies. And it's just, you just start to like people that are similar to you and maybe two steps ahead, 
or they're just a fun personality. And I'm all about personality. So <laughs> that's why I, that's what I look for. All right. So I'm, I'm thinking of my site and some other people's site where they do have those pictures where, where they're having fun. They're, they're blowing flower petals away with a big smile and, and all that stuff. But how does the website other than not having a website that looks like an obituary, how does the <laughs> website lead you to trust? Well, in order to trust someone, we have to know that they know what they're doing, right? And I think every meeting planner out there has hired a speaker kind of on a whim or trusted that they would be that they would be good and they weren't. And so we want to make sure we're showing we know what we're doing through, you know, good testimonials. I think I read a testimonial on a speaker's website the other day, and it was the best one I've ever read in my life. And it was 10 years ago, I saw this speaker and I still use his, you know, strategies in this specific speech, the speech name in my daily life. That I, I just put that at the top of the page right there. Like we're good. Someone's going to trust that because 10 years later, someone's still making an impact on someone's day. And that's what we want to do as speakers. Right. And so uh, we have that, we have testimonials showing that video, like you mentioned is huge for speakers. I mean, if you don't have a video yet on your website, that's, that's next step. Number one, if you're writing a to-do list, like we need to make sure that you know how to speak and it can be a zoom meeting. It can just turn it on and record your speech and get some highlights out of it. So something like that or best case scenarios. The next time in you're in person, have someone just come out and set up a video camera an iPhone if you have to, but something good to make you look great and to prove that you know what you're doing. All right. So we've got that no like, and trust factor down, but mm -hmm. a lot of websites before we sort of jump into this second tip of strategy and design, a lot of websites just look like everybody else's. I mean, so many times speakers are like, oh, well, Becky and Bob did a website like this. So make mine look like theirs. And the only difference <laughs> is they use a different font. So should there be something unique about a website? I think there's definitely some underlying strategy that needs to happen in every single speaker's website. There's certainly a flow that works best, but your website should absolutely be your own. You should never have just, you know, look like you just stole Tom Singer's website. You need to look like it's your website. And I mean, with your personal photos and everything, that's huge on making it look like your own. But I think the big thing is you can look at a website, but you don't know what's going on in the back end of that. There's so much strategy that that's what I work with is, you know, once we're on a page, what, what's their next step and all of that. And so you might not see that. You just see, oh, I like how they have it set up. I'm going to copy that. And you're missing kind of steps one through five and you're just jumping to six. So that's I think definitely every website needs to look similar, but that's don't. Don't throw away the actual tried and true methods of where a menu needs to be, where your logo needs to be. Like those are kind of common things for a reason. Right. Well, one of the things that I hear from meeting planners all the time is the huge number of speakers who don't have a phone number or an email and or an email up on the very top of their website. And you have to click through to a form and meeting planners tell me all the time, if the only way I can contact you is by a form you're not my speaker. And so mm -hmm. why are people not putting contact information on the very top of their websites? 
I honestly don't know because it is definitely what you want to do because that, that was going to be one of my tips as I was thinking is make it easy to book you and people are making it more difficult. And if someone has to click three times to get to a contact form, send it, and then maybe wait three days for you to respond, they're not, they've already hired somebody. Most event planners are going quick. Um, unfortunately it's a very busy, you know, industry. And so sometimes decisions have to be made instantly. And if you're going to make someone think that they might not hire you, then they're not going to hire you. All right. So that's transitioning us into tip number two. Let's talk strategy and design. This is an area I know nothing about and I don't pretend to. And if we were looking at my website, many people might agree. So tell me everything I need to know about strategy and design and why it matters for a great website for speakers. Well, I'm going to disagree with something you just said. You said you knew nothing about it, but you just asked a great question about it is what is, you know, why is someone not giving it easy access to your contact information? And that's kind of one of the first ones. And when it comes to strategy, we always hear in marketing, you might hear the term funnel a lot. And all the funnel is, is just someone's a customer journey, right? Is how someone gets to know you to gets to booking you and everything in between. And so part of strategy of websites is if someone opens their opens their browser goes to your website they should immediately know what their next step is and if it's booking you boom make it easy for them to do that if you have maybe some lead magnets or just some more information that you'd want someone to to digest before hiring you then let's put that at the top but then more strategy throughout the website is every single page needs needs to say this is what you do next like here, if you read a blog post, what's the next one I'm supposed to read? Or what did I make that I can offer to supplement this blog post that you should download? Anything like that. It's all strategy and all just following that customer journey. And that's what I do is just write it all out, map it all out and make sure it looks good in the process. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So part of a strategy of a website has to be search engine optimization. And so mm -hmm. often designers don't even think about SEO. I'm sure just in the short time we've spent together, you're not one of those designers. So let's talk about SEO and what we should be doing uh, in our strategy to make sure that our website is findable. Yeah, I even have a certificate in SEO. So <laughs> I'm very happy you asked that. So SEO, if anyone doesn't know, which search engine optimization, but in broken down simple terms is how well you rank on Google. Yeah, I was just going to say it's it's getting the Google juice. It's, it's just, yeah, it's just ranking on Google is essentially all SEO is. And there's so many different ways to do it, whether it's writing more content for your website. So, you know, Google is looking for words that show that you're the expert. And so generally more content is going to give you a better chance at ranking higher, but being strategic about it. So I've worked with the speaker that we talked about what blog posts would be good for her to write, to put on her website that shows that she's the expert in her specific field, that she was moving into coaching and what she wanted to do. And so we talked about that for more strategy for SEO. There's different things like, I'm not going to get too technical, but there's something called alt tags. And that's just basically putting a description of what an image is showing on your website in the back end so that when, cause Google can't read an image, but it can read your description, which is almost like a caption. It just doesn't show on your website. So those are two big things. Let me just clarify. Cause I do know what alt, alt tags are. And so for anyone who doesn't know, anytime you post a photo on your blog or on your website, it gives you the opportunity to add a sentence or a paragraph about what's going on in the photo. And you can mm -hmm. strategically 
add in keywords like keynote speaker, master of ceremony. You can put those words into the photo. And if you have lots of them on your website that are using those words, Google sees it enough times, it's going to boost up boost up where you are and people only see that if they hover over the photo it doesn't actually show up in the uh, design of the website right yes exactly and the look other at, thing look is at me, look at me look knowing at something about websites <laughs> the other one that just you made me think of was when we share um, our links to our websites on Facebook or whatever there's always a little description and an, and an image that goes with it that's part of SEO too is we want to make sure that description is telling is telling somebody why you should visit that page on a website and what's a good picture that you know is going to show what they're going to be looking at. And so some people kind of forget that. And it's a weirdly cropped picture that they just pasted into the, the website or the, the meta description, which is what it's called, just doesn't make any sense. So those are other things that we want to make sure we look at when we're looking at SEO and your website. Okay. So Kristen, you were talking about having more content is a good thing. So blogs are a really important thing for that website to get found on that SEO stuff. But a lot of speakers have gotten away from blogging. I mean, 10 years ago, we were all told we had to blog every single day. And now a lot of people have, you know, blog fadeaway. They just have dead blogs on their website if they're, if they're there at all. And a lot of people designing new sites aren't adding a blog. How do you feel about having a blog or a podcast that's constantly populating new, uh, new stuff? How, how, how do you feel about that? Yeah, I've met speakers that love to write and they love their blog and that's that's perfect for them. But if you're not somebody that likes to write, I personally am not a writer. I like to speak more than anything. Communication is part of my values. Having a podcast is a perfect substitute for that because you're still putting out content and we're still going back to the no like and trust factors of the first tip that all keeps building it, showing someone your personality, your expertise, all of that. And in order to incorporate the SEO part, a little trick you can do is have your podcasts, you know, transcribed and put all the words down with the video of the podcast or an audio link to it. And someone could read it as they listen and you're pleasing those Google bots. All right. So when you look at speaker websites, you don't have to name any names. What makes you throw up inside your mouth just a little? <laughs> um, there's different things for sure. And what's funny is I used to, you know, hire what hire speakers, which is what we talked about. And we had one that I thought he was perfect. He checked all of the boxes and I brought him to our team. And I was just like, you guys have to know this guy. And the problem was I'd gotten to know him through LinkedIn. He had messaged me. We built some rapport and I was like, yes, I shared his name in a meeting with our board and everybody obviously typed in his name instantly. Right. And his website was one of those. And it was, it was pretty rough and it was just a lot of pictures and imagery just shoved together. You know, white space is so nice for a reader, but it's one of the hardest things to accomplish because we want to throw so much there and show you I'm great. I'm wonderful. But then, you know, I have a book, I have a podcast, but if it's all right there, you're going to crowd a reader and they're just going to get overwhelmed. Right. So one of the, that's one of the big things that makes me just kind of like, Oh, inside. And another one would just be walls of text. 
um, not breaking it up. Like if we're talking about building some trust throughout the website and you're saying, I, you know, I do this keynote speaker, blah, 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 having a bar of like images of you doing the speech or even better having logos of the companies you've done that speech for breaks it up, gives your eyes a little bit of a break and like just a relaxation. And you're like, wow, if this company hired him, he must be great at this. So that's one of the things that I remember when we were trying to hire this person. And I still believe he'd be a great speaker, but he still hasn't edited his website. So it's one of those things. Um, just having like your personal story be 10,000 paragraphs long, but it never actually coming back to why it's going to help your reader. Um, and then blurry photos is my number one pet peeve <laughs> when it comes to websites. All right. So blurry photos, bad, too many things going on at once, bad, but how often should a speaker update their website? Yeah. So the big thing about that is a website is never done. And that's what I want everybody to know is that there's not a single website out there that is complete or doesn't need updated ever. So how often you want to update your website is up to you. I mean, some people do get really nervous around tech. And so if you're one of those people, don't put maybe your tour dates or your event dates on there because you're going to have to keep jumping back in there. But I would say if you're going to be uploading a blog or a podcast, at least at very minimum, jump into your website once a month and just scan through it really quickly. Make sure it's up to date. I personally go through all my websites that I manage weekly um, just to make sure. But that that's why I do what I do. So. All right. So we talked about what makes you, you know, barf in your mouth just a little bit. <laughs> what about a website makes you say, wow. Mm, I really like when people right at the top of their website, say, see a video. I love when people have good videos that show off what they do right at the top, because it's just building that credibility. I think that's great people that have really good testimonials, those logos of companies or organizations that they've served always makes me really happy. And then those that just, I mean, I hate to keep going back to it, but clear pictures, I think just blurry pictures are what is my biggest pet peeve. And now you've got me into that mindset. So a good picture of like crowd shots, a good smiling photo. So you can connect with them. Good photos of you networking with people, maybe like very specifically, like with your name tag on from a conference, all those things just make me be like, this person knows what they're doing. And then of course it's surrounded by white space. So it looks good. So if someone's listening to this and, and they're crying in their beer just a little bit because their <laughs> website, it has all the things wrong that, that you just mentioned, but they're not in a position because there was this global pandemic that a lot of people went through and investing in a new website isn't something that uh, they can do. Aside from getting crystal clear pictures, what are a couple of mm -hmm. tweaks that somebody who's a little tech savvy can make to their website to give it a little bit of that strategy, a little bit of that design, and a little bit of that no like, and trust factor. What can people do themselves to up their game? Yeah, um, I would start by reaching out to some audiences you've spoken with and get some new testimonials, get some nice ones and ask for specific ones, right? Like I'd mentioned, not just Tom's awesome. You want the whole, the whole picture of a testimonial. That's always great. Um, I think one thing you could look at is maybe the colors of your website. So does everything just kind of look good and does it make sense to your audience? I know we're getting a little bit into brand strategy, but your colors on your website doesn't have to be your favorite color. It just has to be a color that jives with your website. So look at, you know, look at the companies or organizations that you work with the most and does your website 
complement theirs. And the thing is with this, if you're going to get into a website, your to-do list is endless truly because it's never done, but that's a big step. And the other big step I would say is to look at your website on a phone because a, let's see, the, the latest statistic is that over 50% of web searches are done on a phone instead of a computer. So it would make more sense for your, for your website to look great on a phone, to function really well, to flow than it would on an actual computer browser. So that's something to look at. And if you do need some help with that, just kind of think of, you know, what are some different people that you look up to in the industry and how are they doing it? And then just think, how can I incorporate that into mine? Not copying, but how can I incorporate that into my website so that I'm giving off the right feel that I want to? Yeah. Don't actually cut and paste other people's really good websites, but steal the themology and, and sort of put in that, that vibe. So you brought something up about colors and (laughs) I know there is a lot of people who really believe in the science of how colors affect the brain. And therefore everyone's website should be blue. And that if you (laughs) use red, you will never get booked or, or whatever that that is going to be. How realistic do you think like the shade you pick of green matters to the psychology of the website? Oh, um, I just had an image in my mind as you were asking that question is I, I know of a speaker and he likes to incorporate a lot of neon colors on his website. He is just a person that loves all of that. I don't see him getting booked out by corporations and I don't see him by big organizations. Luckily, his audience is a bit younger. He works with college kids, so it makes more sense. But I do believe in color theory. I don't think the necessary the shade of green is going to make or break you. But also, when you think about that, think about when someone has to print something out of yours or if you're presenting and you want to incorporate those colors into your presentation, you want it all to look the same. So if a if a printer can't print it out, it all of a sudden just doesn't look like your content. So that's that was my tip for the guy with the neon colors is my printer can't print out neon green. I don't know about yours, but high quality only can do that. So I would just stay with kind of what you want the person to feel. It doesn't have to be blue. Yes. Blue means trustworthy, right? But green is growth. Um, orange is excitement. Yellow is optimism. You know, there's all of those things that artists and designers and all that do look into. And we like that. And that's how I help my clients choose colors. As I say, what are some name? what are some words that you'd like to have someone feel. And if you're doing your own colors, maybe just think about that. You can just Google color brand theory and just go to images and you'll see some really good ones. And you'll see that there are a lot of companies that use different colors to evoke different feelings. All right. Leads me to the other question. Fonts. Let's yes. talk fonts. My, my, yes. my kids cringe at half the fonts I pick for everything. So yes. let's talk about picking fonts. If I had a magic wand, I would delete Comic Sans from everybody's computer right now. And I think every designer, (laughs) unless you work in a kindergarten classroom, Comic Sans is not what you're supposed to be using. Um, But the big thing about fonts and the big trap that I find people fall into is cursive or hand lettering. Yes, it looks really fun and unique and it looks kind of, you know, creative looking, but sometimes it's hard to read. And we're then leaving out people that might have vision problems. They aren't going to be able to read what it says because it's handwritten looking and it's small or whatever. So for fonts, choose three and keep that many on your website. Anything over three, then you need to reimagine one of them. Crystal clear fonts, you know, the usual, there's 
popular fonts and they're popular for a reason. There's a reason word tells you, you know, what is the Calibri or Arial or Times New Roman? There's a reason. It's because everything can read that. Google can read that. Everything is better when a font is more legible and readable. All right. So as we wrap up this interview, what do you wish that every speaker knew about websites that we haven't yet covered? Ooh, that done is better than perfect because you can always improve your website. And so that's why I don't want anybody listening to this and thinking I got to delete the whole thing. It's done. It's over with. It's nothing like that. It truly is just, if you take one small step every single week, you'll get there. Awesome. All right, Kristen, if people want to get in touch with you, how can they find you? Yeah, my website is kristenpearson.com. That's K-R-I-S-T-I-N. And you can find me on LinkedIn, Instagram, all those things. Um, But yeah, kristenpearson.com is my website. And um, I'm available to help anybody ask any questions. I love to do just strategy sessions, not even with, you know, hiring me. I, I would love to jump on Zoom calls and just chat. So awesome. Well, Kristen, thank you so much for, for what you do. And we always appreciate anybody who focuses on the speaking industry. So thanks for helping speakers be better at their websites. And thank you to everybody who tuned in and listened. Be sure that you're listening to Speakernomics regularly. Go leave one of those super duper reviews on Apple or on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast love talking about why this is the podcast for anyone who wants to make more money and be a better speaker. And then join us every single week for more thoughts, ideas, and actionable information on how to make that money and be more successful as a professional speaker. And always remember the motto of this podcast. Speak, get paid, repeat. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.